Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? Why, 35 years ago, fly the Atlantic? Why does Rice play Texas? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. That was President John F. Kennedy 60 years ago today, the moonshot speech at Rice University. And today, uh, President Joe Biden is, uh, as we speak, he's just going through some uh, introductions and some recognitions, and he will make his moonshot ambitions known uh, to the country in terms of how he wants to frame that conversation. And we will uh, dip into that uh, in uh, just a moment as the president uh, starts to speak and, and to lay that out. And it's interesting that as you look at that, as, as you look at the speech from John F. Kennedy 60 years ago and uh, how that was laid out, what that did to galvanize the nation, uh, this is an interesting one and a challenging one, I think, because uh, obviously it was uh, President Barack Obama who first laid out the cancer moonshot uh, declaration uh, and put then Vice President Joe Biden uh, in charge of that. And uh, really interesting when uh, this is one of those is art imitating uh, life or life imitating art. Uh, When the Cancer Moonshot Initiative was first announced by President Obama back in 2016, again, with then Vice President Joe Biden at the helm, uh, it actually reminded me uh, and many of our uh, big West Wing fans out there of a speech the TV president, Jeb Bartlett, didn't get to give at the State of the Union that talked about a similar kind of moonshot. Over the past half century, we've split the atom. We've spliced the gene, and we've roamed tranquility base. We've reached for the stars, and never have we been closer to having them in our grasp. New science, new technology is making the difference between life and death, and so we need a national commitment equal to this unparalleled moment of possibility. And so I announce to you tonight that I will bring the full resources of the federal government and the full reach of my office to this fundamental goal. We will cure cancer by the end of this decade. So that was, of course, the speechwriter uh, going through what would have been in the speech of uh, fictional president Jeb Bartlett. 
but interesting. So you, you had that on the West Wing. You had President Obama use the moonshot uh, language in 2016. And now President Biden is using a cancer moonshot anniversary day uh, to once again mount that. And uh, I think what we ought to do is, uh, if we can, let's go ahead and let's dip in uh, to President Joe Biden speaking in Boston today on his version of the cancer moonshot. Let's take a listen. Despite the progress of life ex- life's extended, lives saved, cancer is still the number two cause of death in America, second only to heart disease. For too many cancer patients and their families, instead of hope, there's bewilderment. The feeling of being on your own. Frustration that hospitals said doctors can't easily share your medical records with other hospitals and doctors to help find answers, even when every minute counts. Having to advocate for even the most basic care and attention for your loved ones. The flood of information is completely different, is a completely different language with few people help and available to help you decipher it. Having therapy that work, that can work within reach, but is too expensive or insurance won't cover it. And so when President Obama asked me to launch a cancer moonshot, our goal was to bring an added urgency, a new urgency to the fight. And in my view, not unlike President Kennedy did, we harness federal resources to change the culture, increase cooperation, and break down the silos that exist. That included everything of making published results of federally funded cancer research more available to any patient, to any doctor, for free, instead of the firewall that had been set up. That included the recognition that for many cancer patients, it's hard to even know if there's a clinical trial that can help them, let alone how to enroll in one. So we launched trials.cancer.gov so everyone can find a clinical trial near them or across the country and the world and they can gain access to these trials. I've traveled the country, brought together leaders in healthcare, technology, education, business, philanthropy. I visited many of the major cancer research centers in the world and nowhere, no matter where I was or what the topic at hand, World leaders wanted to talk to me about our cancer moonshot. That's not hyperbole, that's a fact. For example, Pope Francis convened a major international conference on cell therapies at the Vatican and invited me to speak about our mission. One of the final pieces of legislation President Obama signed into law was the Bipartisan 21st Century Cures Act. It streamlined the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, by creating an oncology center of excellence so new cancer treatments can be evaluated faster. It provided seven years of new funding, including research on cancer therapies and the disparities, trial networks to discover new drugs and new efforts in childhood cancer. As president of the United States Senate, I presided over the overwhelming bipartisan vote and watch my friend Mitch McConnell name the cancer provisions in that bill after my son Bo, who had lost his life to that disease just months earlier. And when we left office, Jill and I knew we had to keep going through, keep it up, 
So we initiated the Biden Cancer Initiative. We focused on turning the moonshot into a movement, not just a shot, a movement, to create a cancer research and care system that most people think we already have, but they don't realize until they find they have cancer that we don't, but one that we deserve. And everywhere we'd go, people would share their stories, literally, in grocery stores, airports, rope lines. While we heard stories of loss and despair, the stories began to change to a feeling of real hope. Not because of me or Jill, but because of all of you and so many of you at home, doctors, researchers, advocates, caregivers, patients, survivors. And that's when I was elected president. I determined to supercharge the cancer moonshot as a central effort in the Biden-Harris administration. We've been listening to President Joe Biden speaking in Boston today, uh, delivering his uh, supercharged moonshot to battle cancer, uh, to end that as we know it. And the president, of course, uh, capitalizing on the 60th anniversary of President John F. Kennedy's moonshot speech and maybe hoping to channel some of that energy. And, of course, the the goal uh, that we all should be uh, on board with in terms of what the objective is. I like how the president said, we got to supercharge this. It can't just be a shot. It's got to be a movement. It's got to be sustained. He talked about uh, making sure that uh, information was being shared, data was being shared, uh, research and breakthroughs being shared uh, so that we can accelerate that process in terms of, of getting to it. Uh, and so we'll continue to, to watch and listen uh, to the president as he lays out some of the details of what this looks like, how it differs from what uh, President uh, Barack Obama announced in 2016. But I, I want to conclude this uh, with one more little clip from President Kennedy's moonshot speech that I think is often overlooked. And I think it is the key to solving so many of our problems today. But if I were to say, my fellow citizens, that we shall send to the moon 240,000 miles away from the control station in Houston, a giant rocket more than 300 feet tall, the length of this football field, made of new metal alloys, some of which have not yet been invented, capable of standing heat and stresses several times more than have ever been experienced, fitted together with a precision better than the finest watch, carrying all the equipment needed for propulsion, guidance, control, communications, food, and survival on an untried mission to an unknown celestial body, and then return it safely to Earth, re-entering the atmosphere at 65,000 miles per hour, causing heat about half that on the temperature of the sun, almost as hot as it is here today, and do all this, and do all this, and do it right, and do it first before this dictator's out, then we must be bold. We must be bold. And the, the phrase that I think we often overlook in this is when Kennedy said that this rocket, length of a football field, he said it would be made of new metal alloys, some of which have not yet been invented. Now, that is bold. That is audacious. So confident was John F. Kennedy in the people that he could, in essence, say, hey, some of the things we're going to need to achieve this moonshot goal, 
it doesn't exist yet, but but America's got this. We're, we're, we're going to achieve this. And I hope as the president continues to lay out uh, some of the things of the cancer moonshot, that all of us will kind of rethink that just a little bit. Uh, I love the the energy behind President Kennedy. And again, it was 60 years ago that he laid out that brilliant speech. But to be able to say, we're going to make this new rocket. It's going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. It's never been done. And it's going to be made out of these amazing new metal alloys, some that haven't even been invented yet. And just kept right on going. Uh, that's confidence in the American spirit. That is confidence in American ingenuity and innovation and inspiration. And I think we need a whole lot more of that today. We'll see what the president continues to lay out. We'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.